0: even when you thought your way was better, even when you disappointed yourself, the word of Scripture reminds us we love him because he first loved us. And because he first loved us, he sent forth his son, Christ Jesus. And as he came, lived, and died, and got up early Sunday morning, he did it to redeem all of creation back unto himself. That includes you and I. So if ain't nobody else told you they loved you, when we looked at, look at that hill on Calvary, he's saying, I love your baby. No matter where you have been, no matter what you did, I love you with an everlasting, ongoing, steadfast love. Praise be to God. Thank our music ministry for lifting up the name of Jesus so excellently this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand and clap of praise for another opportunity to recognize his love for for us. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to this worship service of the church gathered at Forest Baptist. So good to be with you, those present, those who are viewing online. My prayer that even in the midst of the craziness and the chaos that you see that uh, God is still on the throne, he's still in charge, he's still in, in control, and uh, his grace is still sufficient. And His power is made perfect in our weakness. So as we enter into our second week of our 2022 Bible reading plan, just want to see how how everybody doing. We still on track. We still going. Ain't nobody fell off yet, have they? Well, even if even if you fell uh, fallen off, I want to encourage you uh, to pick up where you left off. Use the weekends. Use your Saturdays. Use the Sundays as your uh, makeup day, your catch-up day, and this past week, like I said, we finished our second week of Bible reading, and we are doing, for those who don't know, uh, we're doing a uh, Bible reading plan that covers the, the entire scope of the scriptures uh, this year as a church, as we seek to grow deeper together in 2022. Uh, there are some of those reading plans in the foyer on your way out, There are reading plans located under the resources tab on our website. Uh, For all of those who have a smartphone, if you go to the the Apple Store or Google Play Store and just look up Church Center app, you can get the app that we we are using uh, for our church and you can keep up uh, using your app. So in multiple places, just ask someone. And then also, uh, Tuesday through Friday, We are, our soap Bible study is dedicated to going through that day's reading and that day's scripture for discussion. So there's a multitude of ways where we can uh, grow deeper together in God's word because we understand and we recognize that it is only by the word of God that life comes. It is not just by twisting people's arms or trying to make a a, a, uh, logical, rational argument, but it is the word of God that brings life. And we pray as Jesus has prayed, Lord, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. If you haven't made a plan of what time or what day you're going to do that, I encourage you to do to do that uh, this week. Uh, if if it's at dinner time with the family, if it's in the morning before you go, if it's on your lunch break, is it before you uh, eat, uh, go to bed at night? But pick a time, pick a place to do your Bible reading. So once again, we're all doing it together, so it, it should be kind of fun to hear about what you get and, 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 and what stood out to you, because we're all on the same page. And because of that, this week, our sermon is, is part of last week's reading. And uh, this past week, you should have completed reading uh, the book of Job. And again, we're not reading every single chapter, every single verse, but this Bible plan will cover all of, all of Scripture and give you an understanding. It is in chronological order, which is why Job was, uh, was there. Job is one of the earliest recounting of uh, history, so that's why it's, it's gathered with your Genesis text. Uh, so we completed the story of Job, and now we've moved to the call of Abraham, the story of Abraham. So with that, this morning, we'll be in Genesis, the 15th chapter. If you would, grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Genesis, the 15th chapter. And as you do, so just a recap, last week we finished up in Genesis 3 in, in the garden. And after the consequences of sin enters in, man and woman are cast out of the garden. And we see immediately what plays out in Genesis, the fourth chapter where the seed of the woman and the seed of serpent are in uh, conflict and struggle with one another as Cain raises up against his own brother, Abel, and kills him. And then we goes on and see that Seth comes, and uh, when Seth comes, then the people begin to worship in God. And then we see how uh, mankind just goes buck wild, just gets off the hook. And uh, the text of Scripture says, And every thought and intention of man's heart was evil and wicked. And God looks to Adam again and and, and raising up Adam. see, See what God is doing. It's not that he so much needed to start over, but he's preserving his promise. In 315, he said the seed of the woman will crush the seed of the serpent. And by preserving Noah, one who is blameless, he is preserving that promise. So that promise is not interrupted. This is what God is doing. So Noah comes forth, and uh, we, we we see him gathering the animals, building the ark, obedient to God, and, the, and then uh, they go into the ark, and then the rains come and floods the entire earth, and after that they come out, and he gives them the command to be fruitful, and multiply, and repopulate the earth, and to spread among, uh, all over the earth But then immediately, God gives the command to spread over the earth. But what does man do? The exact opposite. And they all gather to build the Tower of Babel. Them building the Tower of Babel is being disobedient uh, to God's call to spread and go amongst the entire world. They say, no, we're going to sit together and do this our way. And God said, okay, you think you're going to do that? I'm going to come down and confuse your language. And then, you see in the text, after the language is confused, then they spread out over the world like they were supposed to. And then after that, we see how God calls Abram. And he makes him a promise. And in this promise, God is promising Abram a promise of land, a promise of seed, of generations, and a promise of blessings in Genesis, the 12th chapter. But here in the 15th chapter, this a f- few years later, about 11 years later, and because God's promise to Abraham had not been fulfilled immediately, we see how doubt begins to raise in Abram's heart. So here in Genesis, the 15th chapter, we'll take a look at the entire chapter. It's short, but if you are able, uh, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Genesis, the 15th chapter, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, "O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a, a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and, and lay each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in, in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, to the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. May the Lord a blessing to the reading of His word. You may be seated. Our theme for this morning's text is simply trusting in the promises, trusting in the promise of God. Trusting in the promise of God. I want you to pray with me. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. Father, I pray and ask that you would pour forth your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual understanding and wisdom, that we would walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called according to your standard, your will, and your way. Thank you, Father, for first loving us, the unlovable, the wicked, the deceitful, But yet, Lord, in spite of ourselves, Christ has come and died and made a way that we can be redeemed. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the blessing of your word. And thank you for these, your people. Now, kind father, please give us eyes to see, ears to hear and heart to receive your word with great joy and with great gladness. As we seek to be faithful and trusting in your promise. Lord, have your way in Jesus name we do pray. And The people of God said together, Amen. Amen. So growing up, how many of you had a had a favorite show? Had a favorite TV show growing up? Uh, one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite favorite shows was the 18. I loved the theme song, I loved the van, I loved everything about 18. That was some good that was some good TV right there. And 18 it didn't matter how many bullets or how many guns. Then nobody died. Like, you may get shot, but when nobody to die. Or sometimes a car be gone, and there's an ex- explosion in every episode, and and it, it would explode, and and people would flip out of the car, but they'd get up, and it was okay. But I I, I love that show so much. I remember early on, Dayton uh, Dayton and Sister Ray. We spent we had like a date night watching the A-Team. I was like, if this girl loves A-Team like I do, then she must be the one. <laughs> Here we are today. 16 years later. Amen. Seventeen on oh, this this 17 this July though. <laughs> I love watching it, but my favorite characters wasn't the ones you may have thought like my favorite character wasn't B.A. Baracus as bad as Mr. T was that wasn't my favorite character my favorite character wasn't Templeton Peck a face man Uh, my favorite character wasn't howling mad Murdoch my favorite character was Hannibal Smith and the reason why Hannibal was my favorite character was because Hannibal always had a plan and it's like I pattern my life uh, after that. Always have a plan. Whenever you're doing something, always have a plan. Have a have a A plan, a B plan, a C plan, and a Z plan. Always have a plan to make sure everything is taken care of. And I, and and to this day, I'm always planning or I'm asking. So what's the plan? That's just how that's just how I've been built. That's just what I've been doing. And. In, But sinfully so, in me, there is this desire that if I have a plan, then I can have a sense of comfort. If I have a plan, then I can actually have a sense of control of what's going on. If I have a plan, then I can kind of sit back because what I want to take place. I've planned that out, right? But beloved, it's so often in life we understand this, that the way that life goes, we don't always have a plan, do we? We won't always be able to make a plan. There are circumstances that are just unseen that we don't know of. And there are so many times where we are in a sense of anxiety, where it's sense a frustration because we don't know the plan. And when we don't know the plan, it creates all kinds of questions. It creates all kinds of concerns. When we don't have the plan, it, it has us on edge because we like to know. But I'm grateful that over the years, what the Lord has taught me is that even better than knowing the plan is knowing the one who can be trusted with the plan. And this is what God is revealing to Abram in our text this morning. That Abram may not understand all of the plan. He may not understand the details. He may not see it coming. But you can trust the one who's made the promise, who has come up with the plan. So really, Genesis 15, it. It lays out before us this this question, and the question is ultimately, can God be trusted? Even when you don't know the plan, can God still be trusted? Though you may not fully understand the promise of God, you can fully trust in the promise of God. We may not understand it, but you can trust in it. And two simple points for today for you to consider. The first point is simply God is the great promise maker. He's the one that kicks this off. But not only is God the great promise maker, God is the great promise keeper. So notice here in verses one through six, the text begins that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So right here it 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 gives us the understanding that Abram, he's been living a life. Like, ever since the moment that God calls him and reveals himself to him in Genesis the 12th chapter, some things have taken place in Abram's life. Specifically in the chapter uh, prior to this, we see how so Abram and he moves and Lot, his nephew goes with him. They get into this rich, beautiful land and as they're in the land, their possessions begin to be so much that there this argument comes up between uh, Abram's servants and Lot's servants. So they decide to split. But then after that, there's a war that breaks off in Sodom and, and, and Lot gets caught up in the middle of that war and he's taken. But then someone escapes and they tell Abram what's happening. And then Abram takes his his crew, he gets his his posse, and they go rescue Lot. We're introduced to this mysterious figure, Melchizedek. And instead of Melchizedek blessing Abram, Abram blesses Melchizedek. But after all these events, he's saying after life has taken place after this promise, and I believe what, 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 what the author is setting up is that God may, may, may reveal a promise, may reveal a word to you in one moment, but life still happens. And even if, that does, if, if, if what takes place doesn't reveal itself in the moment, we, we, we still need to live life trusting in God. So after these events, some 11 years have, have, have went past, think about that. Think about how we uh, interact with God. If God reveals something, if we've been praying for something, and it's hard for us to wait a month, let alone 11 years, would you have been able to wait on God 11 years? But after these things, God in his grace, he comes to Abram in a vision and in a moment where he's revealing himself more fully to Abram. Abram doesn't know everything, but but he's connected to God. And what God does, he, he gives him a word of assurance, and he just simply says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Some translations put this, I am your shield and your great reward. So either way, what, what God is saying to Abram is, I am your protector, and I am your provider. In all of life, all you need is me. Even as you wait, Abram, all you really need is me. And in God's grace, he, what he's doing, he, he knows that welling up in Abram's heart is this sense of, of uncertainty. But God, I, I thought you said And in that moment, God gives Abram exactly what he needs it when he needs it. Somebody could testify to that. You've been holding on to a promise. You've been going through a struggle. You've seen God come and work in your life in so many times and so many ways where, where, where had not God showed up in the nick of time, you would have fell over the edge. You would, have, you would have fell over the precipice. You would have been broken down. You would have been towed up. But God showed up right at the moment when you needed, with the exact word you needed. So God is not only revealing that he can be trusted, he's revealing his character, that he's a good guy. And he shows up and he, he gives this, this promise. This is another promise. Abram I, I'm your shield. I'm your great reward. you have me that's his promise. I, I will be your protector and your provider. But what does Abram do in this humanity? But God what, what I mean what else could you give me God? I don't have a child. I'm childless at this point in my life. you you have given me no offspring. It's like that saying, seeing is believing, right? Abram, he's doing nothing but reflecting the the content of the human heart. Because think about it. God takes Abram from the land that he was comfortable with, he understood, brings him to a new land, he takes care of him. He provides for him. He gives him a rich land. He expands his territory. And, and like, he's multiplying everything, but he's giving him all these things, but all Abraham could think about is the one thing that he don't have. How often have we done that with God? God, God he's given us a roof over our head, food on our table, clothes on our back, money in our pocket, but we get to work. But, but I don't have the position that I would have wanted. But, God, you haven't did this for me. But but but, but you but it's like that song, but, but every time you turn around, he's blessing you, but you keep pointing to that one thing that he ain't gave you yet. Could it be that God is working in you to prepare you to receive? This is what God is doing with Abram. He, he's working in Abram's heart that he would be ready to receive the child when the child comes. Oh, God. Why didn't you give me this? Beloved, all the while Abram begins to doubt, God has already been working. When we don't see the hand of God, we begin to doubt the heart of God. If we don't see it in our eyes, we begin to doubt the goodness of God. But yet, time and time again, he's shown us just how good he is. And and here's a great example of of the goodness that uh, he he demonstrates and, and gives to Abram. And he says, No, Abram, this man will not be your heir, but your very own son. And 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 you think seeing this believer, come here, come here right quick. Come on, come on out your tent. Why don't you look at these stars? These stars that I flung into the atmosphere. The the fact that that I know each star by name. And and and, and Abram, just like all of the stars, so, so, so shall all of your descendants be. He's giving him a word of assurance and putting sight to his word. And what happens in Abram's life? You might hear me interchangeably saying Abram, Abraham. Abram was his original name, but he's named Abraham after the, uh, the father of, of many nations, the father of many. But after, the, after God shows up right on time with a right now word, And shows him that the text says, this is, this is a profound text. This is so profound. So many texts in the New Testament is based on this. He says, and he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. This is before the law. This is before Mount Sinai. This is before the sacrificial system. This is before the high priest. It's just Abram and God, and he's declared righteous because he believed what God said. This word, believe, uh, testifies to the reliability, the steadfastness, the dependability of God's word, that that Abram heard God's word and said, I trust you, God. Even though I don't understand, even though I can't explain, I still trust you. And because of that steadfastness of his heart, God sees his actions and his attitude and declares him right, right at that moment. He is declared fully acceptable to God. He is able to stand before God. Abram accepted the word of the Lord as reliable and true and acted in accordance with it. Consequently, the Lord declared Abram righteous and therefore acceptable. I got time. Turn with me to Romans 4. Romans 4. I wasn't going to throw this in here, but it's kind of kind of need to be in there for context, just how important this is. Romans, the fourth chapter in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. To make his point, Romans, the fourth chapter, Paul says this, beginning with verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works... His wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. What he's saying, what he's saying, if, if you could think, if you think you could work your way into heaven, you can't. There's no amount of works. Because if it was works-based, then you could boast on yourself, and our boast wouldn't be on Jesus. And then verse 4 and verse 5, and to the one who does not, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will count, will not count his sin. At that moment, Abram enters into a, a whole new relationship with God, standing before him blameless. What Abram reveals is that standing on the word of God is what makes us right. Not the fact that we go to church every Sunday. Standing on the word of God is what what makes us acceptable. Not cleaning your life up before you come to Jesus. Even before Abram is able to express his concern, God was already working. And as Abram confesses his heart before God, he's not met with hostility, but he's met with help. I believe what, what one thing that we see here is that you don't have to be afraid to take your questions before God. God is so good, so kind and so. F- God is a big boy. He can deal with your questions. He can answer your questions. So instead of running to the world, instead of running to your horoscope, instead of running to your daily numbers, instead of running to everything else, he says, come to me. Bring your cares, your concerns to me and let me answer your questions not from what they say, but but from my word. We can bring all of our questions to God. That's why he is the, the great promise maker. But then secondly, God is the great promise keeper we see this in verses 7 through 12 and, and then he immediately as as he, as Abram is declared righteous then what God does is he goes back and reminds Abram of the circumstances why God is God I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans I'm the one who's able to do this if there's anyone able to do this I am but he said oh lord how am i to know that i shall possess it now you can look at this one or two ways you can look at it in the sense of lord like how should i know this like can i believe this or you look at it in the sense of what what, what sign are you willing to give me to show me that this is going to happen that that we will my descendants will inherit this land either way god in this Supernatural kindness gives Abram again exactly what he needs when he needs it. He says, "Okay, go bring me, go bring me a heifer, bring me a goat, bring and, and bring me these things. Let, let me tell you, let's let's work at this together. You go get all of these uh, these animals that that we're gonna." We're going we're to lay in, in this sacri, uh, sacrificial uh, ritual. And uh, he, he calls Abram to get up and go. So, Abram, a believing God, he obeys. He doesn't understand, but he still gets up and goes. And he goes, get he gets every single thing that God says to get him. He says, Now lay, now lay everything out. Now cut everything in half and, and, and lay them side by side. So you you have the cow, you have it side by side the goats. You like you like literally split them in half, and this is a, a sacred treaty ritual, or a, uh, it's called cutting the covenant. Uh, we see an example of this. You don't have to turn. We see an example of this in Jeremiah, the thirty-fourth chapter. God is talking about how uh, they 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 had freed uh, the Hebrews. Hebrews had other Hebrew slaves, and they have freedom, but then they took them back. They're like they, they reneged on their promise, so, so their yes became a no, but what God is saying, when I make a covenant, my yes is yes. And he says, and the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. So what's taking place is, God is saying, in this covenant I am making, if anyone does not hold up their end of this covenant, they will be like these animals who have been split in two and laid side by side. That's going to be the judgment. So God is saying, okay, Abram, you want to know, you don't want to know how this can be trusted? You want a sign? Well, my sign is going to be a covenant with you. And though he didn't fully understand he still participated he goes he gets the animals but then secondly this this kind of obscure thing takes place in verse 10 where uh, in verse 11 and after he lays everything out in this ritual and when birds of prey came down on the carcasses abram drove them away these birds of prey were not clean symbolic of the the sinfulness symbolic of satan and his minions trying to come in and steal this covenant, trying to distort what God is doing with Abram. But but God uses Abram to to throw them away. Even though he doesn't understand, he's willing to participate in what God has called him to do. Hear that again and again. The secret things belong to the Lord, and there are so many things that we're not going to understand, but God says, just keep trusting. But not not only is God giving him a tangible possession for his promise, but notice the timing of God's promise. In verse 12, he said, so this this deep sleep fell on Abram, this this dreadful and great darkness. It's like this, uh, because of what is going to take place to his people, this heaviness, this weighty presence of God comes right in his midst. And as he's as he's put to sleep, he this 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 darkness comes and it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land. That there that in the land that is not theirs and, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nations that they serve, and afterward, on the nation that they serve. And afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So notice the timing. They will receive the land after some 400 years, after a period of slavery. But also notice that they will have the land after a period of slavery, but after a period of sin. Because in verse 16, and he says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Beloved. When we think about how God is working and moving in the Old Testament, he continually time and time again gives people the opportunity and the time to repent. Here the Amorites, is, is, uh, they, they're symbolic of all the people in the promised land, the Canaanites, Hivites, Dergishites. Like, they're, they're representative of all thoseites. And what he's saying is that the reason why judgment is coming to them is for their sin. But, but, but I'm being patient and and I'm waiting and God waits some 400 years for them to repent but yet they never repent they never turn and they, they never recognize God for who he is and because of that when anyone when it doesn't matter who you are if you never recognize who God is then you're deserving of judgment eternal separation but God has given you the opportunity today he waits. So in God's promise, there's a period of time that they will have to wait, but not only that, notice the terms of God's promise. And I love verses 17 through 21 because what's taking place in this holy ritual, remember, Abram he he knocked out. He sleep. And then that that pot or or, or in ancient Near Eastern is like an oven with this torch walks down the middle of the covenant. What is taking place is that God himself, by himself, makes a unilateral covenant with Abraham, with Abram. What he is saying is, Abram, I'm not expecting you to be able to hold up any end of your bargain. I'm not expecting you to be able to hold up any part of your covenant. I'm just going to take on the whole covenant myself. And I'm not going to swear by you. I'm just going to swear by my own name. So as as, as God is walking down, he is saying that I'm the one who established this. I'm the one who's going to keep it. And I am, there's no other name that you can swear by that's higher than mine. This covenant is a sure thing. Abram, I don't need your help. But beloved, think about our own lives. How often have you tried to hold things together when it should have been God holding them together? How many times do we put our our hand to what the work that God is doing to try to help Him out a little bit? We try to move God, Lord. I I I know You're working here, but let me help You move on a little bit more, a little quicker. God says He don't. I, I, I don't need Your help, Abram. I don't need Your help because. There's no other name that you can swear by that's higher than mine. This is a for sure covenant of promise. Beloved, how many times in your life have you had had to trust God even though you didn't understand? Even though in the moment it didn't make sense to trust God. How does that trust for God work itself out in your everyday life? Are you trying to control things in your family? Are you trying to control your family? They ain't been acting right all these years. Why are you still trying to control them? (laughs) You need to give them over to the Lord. You're trying to control your job. You're trying to control your boss. You're trying to control every aspect of your life. And God says, I don't need you to control this. I'm in control. Trust me. Give them to me. That's not your weight. That's not your burden. Come to me. Beloved, trusting in the promise of God not only determines your salvation, but it determines your preservation. Because it's when we trust in God that we can keep our our minds straight. But how often don't you trust God? (laughs) How often have you taken matters into your own hands? How often have you lived in a manner that doesn't reflect your belief, but reflects your doubt. Well, beloved, while we continue to fail, Jesus has fully fulfilled. Because remember, looking back to the promise of Genesis 3.15, when you take that promise and begin to look through the lens of Scripture through that promise, Every other promise that God makes flows from his promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. When you look at scripture, every single promise is working in unison with that original promise that he makes in Genesis 3.15. Because in Genesis 3.15, as as the seed of the woman will crush the seed of the serpent, God is saying... That Jesus is coming. God's promise of forgiveness, Jesus is coming. God's promise of deliverance, Jesus is coming. God's promise of righteousness, Jesus is coming. God's promise of communion, that I will be their God and they shall be my people, Jesus is coming as he promises salvation that that as the the the, uh, day of atonement takes place and the blood of the lamb is slain once a year every year for the sins of the nation that as the animal is slain it cried the blood cries out jesus is coming this this promise of consummation that one day all things will be restored and all things will be made new. And that is coming. That he's saying Jesus is coming. Huh. You don't have to be no biblical theologian to understand this. So if the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter in the 20th verse, that Every promise of God finds his yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So he's saying every promise up till now has been satisfied and fulfilled in Jesus. So instead of Jesus is coming, now that he has come, that promise of forgiveness, Jesus has came. That that, that promise of deliverance, Jesus has came. That promise of righteousness, Jesus has came. That promise of communion, Jesus has came. That promise of salvation, Jesus has came. That promise of consummation, Jesus has came. Jesus is the promise of God. He is the promise of God. Trusting And the promise of God means to trust in Jesus. So then now, trusting in Jesus is when I believe him when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Trusting in Jesus is believing when he says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Believing and trusting in Jesus is believing him when he says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Trusting in Jesus is now believing him when he says nothing can separate uh, you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Trusting in Jesus means you believe him when he says that he is a very present help in times of trouble. Will you believe the promise of God today? Will you believe the fact that Jesus came and lived the life that we could not live and died the death that every single one of us deserved? Will you, will you believe the fact that hey, it's true that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? But will you believe the promise that, that if you confess Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Will you believe that promise? And would you believe that promise of Jesus that he says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Because if you believe that promise, then you can believe that promise that says at the trumpet sound, the the at the, when the angel's trumpet sounds that Jesus is coming back. And the dead in Christ shall raise first, and those who are still living will be caught up in the air and meet him. Because if you believe that promise, then you believe him when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. Because if you believe that promise, then you you believe that promise that says, "And, and, and in glory there, that's the land of no more. No more suffering, no more sin, no more drama, no more cancer, no more disease or death. And if you believe that promise, then you certainly believe the promise when he says, all who the Father has given me, I shall not lose one. Will you believe the promise of God today? Will you believe the promise that says in Romans 5, 8, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Will you believe the promise of John 3.16? For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Will you believe the promise of 2 Corinthians 5.21? And the fact that in him who was no sin, he made sin on our behalf, that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Beloved, God is the great promise maker, and God is the great promise keeper. And though you may not fully understand the promise of God, you can fully trust the promise of God because his name is Jesus. Trusting in the promise of God. Father, thank you for the promise you have made in Christ Jesus. Because all of your promise are yes and amen in him. And Father, thank you that you are trustworthy and we can believe you. And though we don't understand, we can just be faithful. Because you are unfolding things in such a way to prepare us for what we need, when we need it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these people. I pray that you would take this word and apply it to our hearts in a way that will bring encouragement, but ultimately salvation. We do love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, we do pray. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen.